You guys doing well? Yeah. So um, whenever we have big gatherings, you know, I, had, I was positioned at the, the south entrance, and every time I have to talk to a lot of people, I realize how really weird I am. Anybody else kind of socially awkward? All right. Let, let me rephrase that. Do you know how many of you are actually really socially awkward? So here's the thing. I know that I'm socially awkward. But when two people are socially awkward and you have to shake hands and have a conversation for a minute, it's really awkward. And so uh, that was very painful. I had to go lay down a couple of times just to get through it. But uh, it was fun. We had a a good time. Here's one of the things that I want you guys to realize. We actually want to have fun as a church. And, And fun doesn't mean that you have to take away the spiritual component. We, but we want to we celebrate as a family. We want to enjoy the, what God is doing in our midst, and we want to enjoy each other. So thank you for those of you who came out. Uh, we had a fun time, and we wanted to honor you guys. So I, I wanted to put something on your radar. We're going into January, and we are going to be practicing first things first. We talked about the culture of we. It's God, us, them, and you. This idea that God comes first in whatever we do. And so in the month of January, we're going to set aside that month to pray, read scripture. We're going to have devotionals that you can access at mygoodnews.church. We're going to have some other things that we want to bring to you just to help you in this process. It's not just about beginning the year, which is important as we pray for vision for our church, vision for your family, but it really is the beginning of a new decade as well. We believe God's going to do some incredible things. So just putting it on your radar, nothing particular right now, but be ready. Be thinking about how you're going to pray, what you're going to fast as we go into January. So last week, uh, Pastor Raphael talked about hope and how hope is found in the person of Jesus. And I'm going to build on that just a little bit today. And I wanted to add hope is an intentional decision to connect to the person of Jesus. So how do you know, as a Christian, if you have hope? And if you really have faith in Jesus? There's one thing that that I believe is a component, and it is perseverance. Because I see a lot of people who start great. Anybody ever started a book and not finished it? Anybody ever started a movie and not finished it? Anybody ever started exercising and you didn't finish, right? A lot of us start well. But it's perseverance that actually is connected to hope. Because what you hope for, you continue in. The Bible says if, if you're hoping for something, it means you haven't quite received it yet. And so we hope we continue. And so perseverance, anybody ever read the book Grit by Angela Duckworth? <laughs> Nobody. So uh, let me tell you what it, what it said. So it actually did all these studies And it talked about why people are successful. And it said that the number one reason is not aptitude, it's not skill, it's not ability. It's the fact that when when people make up their mind and they continue, the grit factor is what pushes them over the top. The fact that you don't give up. And I believe that's a biblical principle rooted in hope. So before we even get started, I'm going to give you the three points. Uh, just so, so you know what we're walking away, away with today. Number one, hope is a decision. Number two, hope builds history with God. And number three, 
Hope connects with God's character. Would you stand with me? We're going to read from Hebrews 6 today. Let's read. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. The things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged." We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, firm and secure. Let's pray. God, we're so grateful for your presence. Thank you, Spirit, that you challenge us and you convict us and you lead us into all truth. I pray, God, that you would speak to us today about hope. And we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate picture, the anchor of our soul is found in your character, in your nature, in your will, and that you sent your son to die for our sin. We believe you. We trust you. Speak to us this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So just a little bit of background into Hebrews. It's an incredible picture, really, of who Jesus is. And it, it is a little more scholarly. It, it points back to um, covenant. It points back to the, the rules and the rituals that uh, the priest would have to, to go through in order to enter God's presence. But it always points to the person of Jesus, how he satisfied and answer, answered all of the need And how he stood in for us. Now we can come before God because of what Christ has done. So this was written to Christians who were formerly Jews. And they were experiencing persecution. And these Christians are wanting to return to some of the old ways. They're wanting to go through the motions. They're wanting to practice the ceremonies. They're wanting to practice some of the old rituals. How many of you have ever wanted to return to something that you knew, even though you knew it wasn't the right thing to do? And so they're wanting to return to some outward things that may make them feel comfortable, but it doesn't actually satisfy the desire of their heart. So God is wanting them to remember, listen, the, the ceremonies position you to know me, but they don't actually help you to know me. That's through relationship. And so he's just reminding them to, to stay in relationship. How many remember that scripture said uh, that he would write the rules? He would write his, his word on our heart that we may know him. And he's reminding them of this. So number one, as we talk about hope in the month of December, in This message, hope is a decision. Hope is a decision. 
Back in verse 9, it says, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. You're not going to return to those old things. You're not going to return. The things that you have to, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. And this is important because every person in this room, you're going to get discouraged by something. Something, a situation, a person, even the stuff that's in your heart that God allows to come up. And it just sometimes keeps coming up. Sometimes we can get discouraged and want to quit. And he says, God is not unjust. And this, from the very beginning, you can go back to Adam and Eve in the garden, and there's two trees in the garden. And he, they had everything, everything they needed. And yet, the two trees caused doubt in their heart. The enemy pointed out, God is holding out on you. And when we find ourselves in a situation where we're going through something, anybody ever questioned the nature or the character of God? If God is so good, why? You see it all the time, you know, when, when people say they don't want to go to church or they don't believe in Christianity or they don't believe in Jesus or what's the point. They always look at the state of the world or something they've gone through to go, well, if God is so good, why? And he's reminding them, God is not unjust. He sees your effort. He sees your tears. He sees your faithfulness. The fact that you serve, that you give, that you love, and you help other people. And he reminds them, be diligent to the very end. Don't give up. Don't quit. Remember who you serve. Early in my Christian walk, I mean, it was one of the things that I wrestled with a lot. Uh, I didn't have necessarily a background that I, I came from a spiritual lineage or heritage. And so most of my life was trying to figure out Christianity as I went. And there were a lot of times that, uh, how many know that when you're a young Christian coming out of bad stuff, you do a, still do a lot of bad stuff? You, you're still, the process is still ongoing. And I just kept thinking that just any time now there was going to be an emotion that overtook me and I was always going to feel okay. Or I was all of a sudden going to figure it out and I was going to do everything that I was supposed to. And here's the thing is a lot of times it was a lot of ups and downs and I found my hope was, was connected to how well I was doing. So when I was doing well, I had hope. And when I wasn't doing well, I didn't have any hope. And I see that a lot of times in our own Christianity now. It fluctuates up and down based on how we're doing or how we feel. And this is the same, same idea for these Christians who are being persecuted. And, and he's pointing, the writer is pointing them back to go, it's not based on how you feel or what you're going through. Remember that God is not unjust. How many women have given birth to a child? It was easy, right? No pain. I just read something, and I saw it on social media, so it has to be true. And it said that, that when a woman gives birth, there's a pain threshold that you're supposed to be able to be okay up to. I think it was like 45. I don't know what the pain, how to measure that, but it was 45. Women go through 57. So you're okay to 45, you're not okay at 57. And it's like the feeling of 20 bones being broken. All right? 
But here's what I want you to know, that a lot of time, hope, it's the same thing, that something is being formed in you, it's growing in you, it's not just going to overtake you, it's formed in you. Hope is something that God is doing on the inside of you. It grows and you give birth to it. It's formed within and so that's why it's not about your situation because your situation is going to change. It's not about how well you're behaving because sometimes your behavior won't match what's in your heart. It's what God is doing on the inside of you that no matter what is happening, you still go, Jesus, you're the one that I look to. You're the author and the finisher. And he reminds them, don't become lazy. Don't become sluggish. Have you ever been lazy or sluggish in your Christianity? I'm a pastor and I've been lazy and sluggish sometimes in my Christianity. It can happen. We go through the motions. We, we're kind of just going on automatic. We're doing the things that we know that we're supposed to, but our hearts aren't always connected to God in it. It's part of being human. And he's going, don't forget don't forget, don't just go through the motions. Don't return to what you know and don't become lazy. Don't take the easy way out. God is just. He sees your effort. Don't quit. And I, I want to I say this, and it's supposed to be my next point, but it's why we need discipleship here. Like I know we have small groups and, and if you don't have a, a, a spiritual legacy or you're new in Christianity, you need to be in a small group. Everybody needs to be in a small group just because that's our family. It's part of our family. But I need people who are faithful in the Lord to give what you know about God away to somebody else. And here's what happens. So here's what happens all the time. People who have known God for 20, 30 years, they don't feel qualified to disciple. They feel like they don't feel qualified to teach. And I'm telling you, if you know anything about God, what you know about him and how you've walked it out is what you can tell them about what you know about God. And it's needed and it's valuable. So I'm asking. Next, next year, I'm commanding, I'm demanding or whatever you want to call it. But I'm asking you to disciple because we so desperately need it in our culture that comes from brokenness in every direction. All right, that's a good word. We'll keep going. So, one, hope is a decision. Number two, hope builds history with God. And I love this. I love this point because uh, it, it's one of the things that I, I, I feel like now, after 24 years walking with the Lord, 20 years in marriage walking with the Lord, that I feel like I'm understanding. In verse 13, 13 through 15, it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. And the writer is pointing back to history. He's pointing, and, and for us, when we hear Abraham, uh, it's not that big of a deal. Some of us understand what it means. Others don't. But for them, being Jewish, Abraham's the father of everything. So he's pointing them back to their spiritual lineage, their history. They know it well. They understand it well. 
And so he's pointing them back to the very beginning, the origins of their faith. And he is reminding them not to lose sight from where they came. Being a white guy, I don't even know where my people come from. It's like a mixture. Like, I, like Chris says, she's Cuban-Puerto Rican. She knows where her people come from. I don't. And there are times I feel disconnected from something, right? Raphael knows where he is. Every time I, I tell him he's from Cuba, like I, I, the first time I met him, I said, you from Cuba? And he's like, Dominican Republic. It was immediate correction. He knew his people, right? What he's reminding them, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget the covenant that God made with you. So God promised Abraham descendants. He said, I'm going to bless the world through you. I'm going to bless the world. And he's going, you're part of that. Don't you see that you're part of that? You are actually the answer to what God promised thousands of years ago. Don't you see this, that you are part of that promise? So I want to give you a a little background. Abraham had to wait patiently, it said. And here's the thing about waiting patiently. The, The word choice they use there actually means to wait patiently without anger. I am unfamiliar with this term, right? So... So most of us don't wait well, and, but Abraham had a promise from God, and he learned to wait because God said that he would do it. So in Genesis 12 is really we, where we find the origins of this, and it said that um, God comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make you a powerful people. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to, nations are going to come from you. You're going to be the father of many nations. The interesting thing is Abraham was 75 years, years old and he was not able to produce a child on his own. So it was really this incredible thing. You know, uh, he was an idol worshiper, it said. So it wasn't like he had this perfect life. And God said, I'm going to choose you and I'm going to show you what I can do through you. And we find in Genesis 15, they, uh, they set it up where they, they cut an animal in half and two pieces of the animal were, were set apart. And the tradition was in that culture is that they would walk through the animal and they were saying that I will fulfill my obligation, my part in this. I'm going to walk through it. And if I don't, what has happened to this animal is going to happen to me. That's my covenant to you. Now, we don't live in a a culture of promise. You know, that's why we have to sign contracts. That's why people go to court. How many of you started something last year and said you would do it and you didn't do it? Right? Most of us don't trust people, believe people, and sometimes we don't even follow through on the things that we've promised. Divorce is rampant. Right? We don't follow through on promise. But here's the thing. So God says, I'm going to make you, uh, I'm going to bless you. People are going to come from you. But here's the thing. I need to make sure that what, whoever swears on this, it's actually going to, to happen. So get out of the way. I'm going to fulfill this. And he, it says that he was like a flaming torch. God took that form and passed through. And he was saying, I swear it. I'm going to fulfill it. And there's some things, y'all, in your life that God expects you to do. 
He expects you to obey, and he expects you, if he tells you something, that you walk it out to listen to Scripture, allow Scripture to change you. But there's some things in your life that only God can do for you. Transformation happens because the Holy Spirit is working on you, and he's doing. And I love this picture of Abraham because it says he waited patiently on the promise. Romans 4.18 says, against hope, in hope believed. And the writer of Hebrews is reminding them that God has stayed faithful through slavery, captivity, trial, silence, persecution, and what appears at times that nothing is happening. You ever felt like, God, what are you doing? Nothing's happening in my life. You ever felt like that? I don't understand. It seems like time is ticking off and I don't see the promise. When you see Jesus on the cross, know this, that God is always faithful to what he says. Even when you can't always see it in your life and the thing that you thought would happen, when you look at the cross, when you look at Jesus, know that God is always faithful to all of his promise toward you. It is the thing that we hold on to. It is the thing that we look to. So there are seasons of building history with God. I have this box and... Uh, it, it is filled with cards. It is filled with emails. Some of them were warnings. We would get a warning out of the blue. Hey, the enemy is after this right here. And literally that day, it would happen. There are prophetic promises, things we would read from Scripture. And God would make a promise and we'd write it down or we would print that Scripture off and we would write that promise down and we would put it in our box. There are other things that we would read, dreams that we would have, that, uh, that we would go, man, I really feel like God is saying this, and we would print that off, and we'd put it in our box. And it's just part of 20 years of history of walking with God. And I've got a couple of things I wanted to just share with you. And I mean, it's filled with just stuff. It's reminders of what God has done. Matter of fact, I didn't share this in the first this book right here, is uh, God was trying to teach me about his provision. And it's uh, just a Bible versus calendar, 2004, y'all. This tells you. And so he, it, um, I remember being at, I think it was like four bucks or something, and we were about to go into a new year, and I was like, I don't want to pay $4 for an expired Bible versus thing. And the Lord said, ask her for a discount. Ask her for a discount. And I said, I'm not going to do that. It's not worth $4. And, uh, and, and so I'm having, I'm in line, and, and the Lord says, ask her. And so I said, hey, this is about to be outdated. She said, all right, um, I'm just going to mark off everything. You can pay five cents for it. And it, it was a way of God going, trust me and watch what I can do. So I keep it. Anyway, it's in here. So... When, when Chris and I were in Brooksville, Florida, her dad was a pastor there. We were out of ministry, and we'd had a bad experience, and I didn't want to be in ministry anymore. Gave up my license, walked away from it, um, kind of angry, and, but God was still working on my heart. Well, one of the things that I began to study in that time was Joseph. I loved Joseph. I always wanted to be considered like David, a man after God's own heart. For me, I thought that was one of the highest compliments in Scripture, 
to be a man after God's own heart. God, I want to be a man after your own heart, but I know that I'm, I'm not. Uh, but that's my prayer. But as I began to study Joseph, I began to see things that I'd never seen before. And he began to show me things that I'd never seen before. And I began to, to go, God, that's, that's my desire, is I want to see the world blessed for you. I want to see people changed because of you. I want to make sure the church is doing its part in bringing resources and equipping and empowerment to people. And I don't even know what I'm praying. I just know. I don't know what it is either. I just know that there's this thing that begins to grow inside of me. And so there was something that I printed off. There was a, a, a place that you could go and you could look at prophetic words back in the day. And I took it and I printed it off. I'm not going to show it to you because I don't want you to, to think I'm weird. But there was this promise and it talked about how there would be people who would who would be able, like, God would be able to give to them and they would be able to disperse it. That they were middlemen, if you will, to be able to get resources to anybody that needed. And I said, Lord, this is my heart. This is what I desire. And, and so we, we took it, we printed it off, put it in our box. Well, that same year, a man comes and speaks at Chris's dad's church and uh, after... Uh, he spoke, we're sitting and eating with him, and he said, I have a word for you. And so we go into her dad's office, and he goes, the Lord says millions of dollars will flow through your hands for the kingdom of God. And I went, he said, but you know that already, don't you? And both Chris and I were standing there going, yep. And her parents are blown away. But the Lord had given us a dream and here's the thing. We didn't know how it would happen. We only knew that God was, was confirming something that he had spoken about. And we can just study Joseph. God, this is our desire. This is our heart. This is what we want to see. Well, when we come here, you know, it was a, a long story, but when we come here, I find out that there were two prophetic people that went around all 50 states, and they're, they're well-known, and they said that Nebraska is actually called the Joseph State. And I, I have that too. And I keep it in my box. And it's not just financial. See, that's, what God wants to do is so much more all-encompassing. And it's taking what we have in here. And it's taking it and beginning to, to bring change to our community and change to the world. So, so this is really interesting. So I, I met with Amy Gamboyan. Uh, she runs omahaleaders.com. She started the business community at um, LifeGate. And we met and we talked about some things and we really want to start a business culture here and to invest in our people and invest through our people. And uh, she sent me an email just to follow up and she said, there's two books that I think you need. And uh, if you know me, I love books. So I ordered one of the books, and when I read it, I started reading it, and I began to understand how God wants to bring change through the church to systems and organizations and community. And I went, oh, man, this is a long-term plan. How to empower the people to be Christians outside the doors of the church. And I, I loved it through business and, and whatever, marketplace and all kind of things. But she said, there's another book that you should get as well, and I didn't order it. A week later... A week later, 
my father-in-law has texted me, did you get the book? Did you get the book? I, wh- what book? So uh, Chris, I had to go down to UPS. They didn't leave it at our house. The book is the one that Amy Gamboyan had told me to get, and my father-in-law didn't know. Now, if you see my office, if, if, if you were to think, man, the odds of you getting just out of the 200 books I may have in my office, one of 200, that's pretty good. If you say, saw all the books in my house and in my office, there's literally hundreds of books. To get that one book right, the odds are incredible. But to get that one book that I did not purchase, that my father-in-law didn't know about, out of all the books in the world... It's crazy. It's crazy. Guess what? That email goes in here because it's part of history with God. And it's part of what we're trying to create. And a lot of times what God does is he won't tell you the whole picture. He gives you snapshots and expects you by hope to walk it out with him. And he'll give you what you need as you move forward. And I'm talking to young people because a lot of times your hope is is dependent on perfect situations, and it never works that way. Or you want the whole story. God won't give you the whole story. He wants you to walk independent, in, in dependence with him so that you're becoming the person who can actually handle what he wants to do through you. So, so many people want to get to that point over there, but you didn't go through the process to be able to handle the promise that he wants to give you. And so our hope really is about building history with God and becoming the kind of person that he can utilize and work with on the earth. Y'all with me? All right, so hope is a decision. Hope is building history with God. And the last thing, hope is connected with God's character. Hope is connected to God's character. Verses 17 through 19, because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs. We're all heirs in Christ. We are heirs of what he has promised. He confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things. So here's the two unchangeable things. It's called immutability. If God says it, he cannot lie. That means it has to happen. If he says it, he cannot lie, and it has to happen. That's immutability. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So I want to back up for just a minute. I want to make sure you guys understand this. This church is a Joseph church. Your life is going to bring benefit to other people outside the walls of this church. And our job is to actually create a structure and a system that equips, it empowers, it invests in so that what God is showing you and giving you, knowing about him but also what you have, that you bring benefit to other people. Okay, That is where we're headed. You don't have to know how yet, but just know that God is going to do that through this church so that community change happens and nations are changed. All right. So this is what the author of Hebrews wants to remind 
the readers, that God works, that God promises. And here's the thing. It's not just about you. That God says, I'll do it because there's nobody else that can do it like me. God is faithful even when you're not faithful. God moves even when you don't have faith. For I know in Pentecostal circles, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm just telling you. There are people who laid hands on people and knowing in their heart God's not going to do anything and they were healed. God worked around them because God is sovereign and he is above you. He is. And I'm hoping eventually that you'll believe that God will heal, that you don't pray every time not, not believing that it will heal. But he can work independent of you. And that's the anchor of our soul is that we trust in him, not in ourselves. And I love the image of the anchor. Because an, an anchor says two things. First of all, there, there are times and seasons where you need to drop anchor to stay where you are. In a busy culture, in a, in a culture that's always wanting the next thing, sometimes it's good to be rooted and grounded so that you can grow. But the other thing is, and I'm telling you, I don't need to prophesy it over you, you're going to have storms. You're going to have trial. You're going to experience loss. And you better make sure that the anchor that you have grounds you so the wind and the waves and all this stuff doesn't overtake you, doesn't blow you way off course, that you're rooted in God's character, that you remain. Y'all, every other day I wanted to quit at times in ministry. Every other day, there was this promise that God had given, and I looked at my life, and I seemed to be a million miles away, and I felt like I was being torn in two. And it was only in hope in Jesus. Only, God, I know that you're faithful. I know that you're faithful. We have to be committed to trust the anchor in a storm, but we have to be connected to the anchor. It doesn't do us any good to say we have an anchor on board, but it's not actually connected. What's your anchor? What are you believing in? Listen, I, I get it. There are people in here you struggle with disappointment. You feel like you've prayed forever. God can meet you in that too. Because he's faithful in that as well. We look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the picture of God's faithfulness. When life rages, connect to the anchor, and that is God's character. One of the things, so when you go back to Genesis 15, because we're talking about Abraham and how God would, would honor the, the oath and, and the covenant that he made, if you read it, there was a point in time that God walked through the animal creating the covenant, but Abraham had to fight off the vultures that wanted to feed on it. And there are times and seasons of your life where you're going to have to fight off 
the things that lie to you, try to overtake you. It may be that you have doubts. It may be that you have fears. It may be that you begin to to question God's character. Your job is actually to say, no, I know that God is true. I know that he's faithful. I know that he'll do it. I don't know how. That's not the point. I just believe in him. You sometimes have to fight for the promise and to stand on the promise. Hope is a decision. Hope builds history with God. And lastly, hope connects with God's character. The writer would say, I know you're tired. I know you want to return to empty practices. Don't get lazy. Don't get sluggish. God is faithful. Keep going. Remember Abraham. Remember your roots. Remember the covenant. Remember what God did. Our part is to hope is to choose to connect to Jesus, the anchor of our soul. Would you stand with me this morning? Father, thank you for the men and women in this room. The fact that they're here, God says they have faith. The fact that they're here says they, have, they believe something. I pray for the people who are struggling. I pray for the people who have been faithful for years, God. And they question, where is the promise? Abraham waited 25 years for the promise. And his body was as good as dead. Because it wasn't about Abraham's body. It was about your faithfulness, your power, your ability to do what man can't do. And I pray for those, God, that they're walking through difficulty or trial. They're walking through a difficult marriage. Or maybe they're not married and they thought they would be. And they're going, God, I thought. I pray that they would look to Jesus, the author and finisher. The anchor of our soul is your character, God. That if you make a promise like giving your son, you'll meet us in all the other small promises as well because you're faithful is what you do. I pray, God, that you would speak to each of us, God, that we would cling in hope, that we would practice hope, that you would allow, God, uh, the formation of hope to take place in us. It's not going to be in an instant. It's over a lifetime. But that we don't quit We don't get sluggish. We don't get lazy. But we pursue you. I pray for those that are tired. I pray for those that feel frustrated, God, that you'd meet them this morning. You'd refresh them, God. You'd renew them, God. And for those that don't know you, I pray that they would give their life to you. Salvation is both being changed and made new, but it's lordship. There's some that need to recommit and go, God, you're the Lord of my life. You saved me, but you're the Lord of my life. And I pray that you would call them in hope to you, God, and that you'd continue to do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want us to do. I want us to be able to come to the altar. I love the altar. I know sometimes it, it, it seems to get old, but for me, this is the place where things change. Sometimes it's commitment. Sometimes God meets us here. Sometimes there's a prophetic word that is given at the altar. 
that repositions us. We're gonna allow people to come forward. If you don't know Christ, I would love to lead you in a prayer of commitment to the Lord. God bless you. We love you. We believe in you. God's not done. Hey, we fight for hope. God bless you.